Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Hello, Slate Church. It's so good to see you. My name is Brandon. I'm the lead pastor here, uh, alongside my wife, Emma. And I just trust that um, these last moments that we've shared in worship have not only blessed you, but it's been a moment that you've been able to um, actually worship God, glorify Him, uh, wherever you find yourself watching this. We want to welcome our online community. We're so glad to have you. We want to welcome Coburg. We want to welcome uh, those that are tuning in from our Cambridge Locals Plus. And of course, we want to welcome Elmira, who is tuning in right now uh, on the Sunday morning. And, and guys, we just, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're tuning in. And uh, it's a real blessing to be able to join together. You know, Slate Church is not just a, a church that gathers. We're a church that gathers to scatter. We're a church that takes on what we've learned in order to live it out in the lives and the places that we find ourselves. And so wherever you're gathering right now, if you're gathering alone at home uh, due to uh, just, you know, uh, cautious around COVID, whatever, or you're gathering uh, in, a, in a house with uh, those at the Locals Plus in Coburg, or uh, you are in that gathering in Elmira right now, we want to thank you for gathering. And I just want to remind you, if you are gathering alone, as restrictions ease in Ontario, if you live in Ontario, my encouragement to you is to not continue to watch alone. Uh, our faith is not, and this gathering in particular, is not meant to be something that just become, becomes an individualized faith. Uh, during the series that we find ourselves in, it's called A Deeply Formed Life. And it's all about making sure that as we abide in Christ, as he speaks to us in the book of John, which is the fourth gospel and the New Testament of our Bible that looks back on the life of Jesus, he says, abide in me in John 15. And uh, what we're doing in this series is we're talking about what it looks like to support that abiding, to, uh, to uh, support that remaining in Jesus. And uh, of course, a lot of these things become individual spiritual disciplines that we take part of in our lives. Not all of them. We'll get to some corporate ones later in this series. Um, but one of the things that, that can't just be done alone is a gathering. A gathering, uh, literally in the definition, means more than one. And so as our government begins to uh, open up restrictions, my encouragement is even if you're not in the vicinity of a driving distance to Slate Church, to make sure that you are inviting people into this Sunday gathering because it's meant to be corporate, it's meant to be shared, and it's meant to be unifying as, as a church we run in a specific direction. So make sure that it's not just becoming an individualized thing. But we want to welcome you in wherever you find yourself, and it is just honestly a pleasure that you would join us. And uh, once again, our, our goal is for, not, for you to not just receive something right now, but that you would see yourself as a bigger part, a bigger movement, uh, being a part of a bigger movement here at Slate Church. You know, as a church, we exist to make disciples of all of Ontario. And that's a real, like, commission and mandate we feel on our church. Um, it's something that we feel like is the driving motivator of what we do, is to see ourselves continue to expand in Ontario, um, being able to spread the good news of Jesus, but also, as Jesus says, to go and make disciples. So that means if you're watching uh, outside the vicinity of a gathering, you're watching in Coburg, you're watching in Elmira, you're just watching online, wherever it is, we need to be processing how we can continue to disciple those that are around us. And I'm just really thankful that you would join us in that mission and that you would tune in today. Okay, I want to start by reading a, a, really, a really simple um, passage. 
I'm going to uh, read it, make a few remarks, pray, and we're going to open up what God might mean for us today as we go through a deeply formed life and, and visit another spiritual discipline that when applied to our lives consistently can actually make a really big difference. Again, the end of 2022, the goal is for us as a church to look back and not just say that I've lost a few pounds because I set that goal. I have a little bit more money in my bank account because I set that goal. Um, I spent more time with loved ones because that was a goal. But it's actually to look back at the end of 2022 saying, you know what, not only am I better physically and material, all the rest of that stuff that you might have personal goals for, but not forget and not neglect our spiritual health and our relationship with Jesus and remaining in Him. So we might look back at the end of 2022 and actually be able to see a difference not only in ourselves, but those that we're, we're running alongside with at Slate Church in this direction of making disciples voluntary. That we would look back and say, those things that we put into practice at the beginning of 2022, and that series called The Deeply Formed Life. Remember, formation, all of formation is counter-formation in, in some respect. And that as we started to analyze our place in the world, that we actually look more like Jesus at the end of this year. And we're serving those around us with a lot more freedom and joy because of what God was doing in us in those early months. So my encouragement to you is to just consider how we might make the, 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 the practice, the spiritual discipline that we're talking about today, a regular practice in your life. So we find ourselves in Psalm chapter 46, um, verse 10. It's a really simple uh, passage that we're going to break down uh, in these next moments together. And it just says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. Why don't we pray into this, uh, this, this message today as we unpack the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude. Jesus, we welcome you into this gathering. Wherever we find ourselves, we are gathering. And God, not just gathering to boost our opinion of ourselves, but Lord, we are gathering to um, draw near to you and allow us to be a, a lit by your flame, your flame for this world, that, that passion that, that sinks so deeply within us to reach a world that um, seems chaotic at times and seems worrying at other times. And God, we just right now submit ourselves to who you are and what you want to do in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I remember as I was preparing for this, uh, for this talk and for this message, I remember uh, deeply moments in my life where I was just so disappointed in my parents. Now, if you're watching in Coburg, you're with my parents. So uh, I'm going to be careful what I say right now. But uh, I remember just being deeply disappointed. When would I be deeply disappointed? It would be Sunday afternoons. We'd get home from the Sunday gathering. And, uh, you know, my parents, for a period of time in my life, it wasn't all growing up, but I remember there was a period of time in my life, we'd be like, Dad, come out. Me and my brother Taylor would be like, come out and play, uh, play road hockey with us. And, and my dad would be like, okay, you know, in just a little while. And he was usually game for this. This is why we would ask. This is why we'd be excited. We'd say, we have all afternoon, let's play road hockey. And, uh, and, and he would during the week, but, you know, we always kind of got disappointed because he'd be like, just in a few moments, in a few moments. And the reason we would get disappointed, because we'd know that if it was a few moments, what it really meant is like, you know, if I don't fall asleep on this couch right now. And, uh, you know, as luck would have it, most Sundays, we'd waltz back in half an hour later, and we'd be like, Dad, let's, and Mom would be like, shh. And she would point to Dad, who's on the couch, and he'd just be knocked out, sleeping, uh, totally, like, just totally... Uh, just, just in another world, 
resting. And I remember as a kid just being like, what is wrong with dad? Like, like, you know, we have all this time to play and dad doesn't want to play. And again, with the caveat that he would do this all throughout the week. Um, and not just the caveat because he's watching right now. Love you, dad. But, uh, but largely because, uh, because like that was the way he was. He spent a lot of time with us actually growing up. At least that was my memory of it. And uh, it wasn't until, you know, basically I had my own kids that I realized what was going on. You know, uh, often my kids will be at me like, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And what I learned really early on in parenting was to ask for forgiveness for any negative word I ever spoke to my parents. Because now as a parent, I am realizing that the uh, inner turmoil of wanting to spend time with kids and yet needing rest from all that raising kids actually looks like. Those Sunday naps make total sense to me and not just because uh, j- just because I understand my dad's position, it's because I need naps now. I'm like the guy that needs the naps and why? Not just because work is difficult and raising, par- uh, raising parents, raising kids uh, is, is difficult, but because of the noise of life that is constantly around us. You know, one of the added difficulties that has been added, and I'm not pretending that raising kids now is more difficult than when my parents did it, but there is an added difficulty of raising children and doing life and working in a digital age. Now, the reason I know that this message and the the things it's going to speak to can speak to everybody that is watching right now is because even if you're not raising kids or haven't raised kids, the introduction of a a digital age and a digital era um, affects all of us in the way that, that honestly, the way that we live our lives, there is constant noise around every corner. See, I don't, I don't even know what it is, but, but often, even when I go for a run, it's like I can't go for a run unless I put in my AirPods, not an ad for Apple, but put in my, my AirPods, and I go for a run listening to a podcast or that sort of thing. I remember hearing from a leader one time that they wanted all of their time to be intentional. And so one of the things that they would do is they would leave uh, intentional books in different parts of their house so that when they went to those parts in their house, i.e. the bathroom, um, and went to those places that they wouldn't just use the bathroom, but they would be intentional about their time in the bathroom and that they would read some literature that would add to their ability to develop as a human and use the time that God's given them wisely. And so, um, and such is the way that we live our lives now. And yet some of us, we might not be intentional like that, but the noise is there Nonetheless, why? Because we don't like to be alone. We don't like to be alone. Leaving a book in the bathroom so that you can use all moments as times to be developed is actually kind of wild. It's kind of crazy. It's, it's not a life to be, to be emulated because we actually need moments of silence and solitude to become all that God has created us to be. And I remember growing up, we didn't have a TV and so um, you know, a, lot, a big portion of, of our lives growing up was just going outside. Anytime we would say, hey, we're bored, the option of a TV was never there. The option was, well, then go outside. And that's often what we chose to do. When we were bored inside, we'd go outside. When we were bored outside, we'd go inside. And so it was a big change to me when I'd go to family's houses and friends' uh, friends' houses and, and uh, you know, even when I started dating Emma and going into, into her dynamic and, and all of a sudden there was a TV that was present in a lot of these rooms. Now, as a kid that grew up without a TV, the way that I still am with TVs is if there's a TV or a moving monitor in a room, I'm glued to it because I just, I cannot focus. It's probably as to some of my focus problems right now is that I cannot do two things at once. But I 
often would be not flabbergasted that, that there was so many TVs in a house. What kind of caused, uh, was, was a cause of concern for me when I'd go to friends' houses and family's houses and all the rest was that they'd be on with no purpose. And I would often like question at my friend's house and their parents would be like, why is the TV on right now? Like you're, you're not even in the same room as it. It's just kind of playing and you're, you're making dinner. And often what I would hear time and time again, the refrain was because I don't like the silence. I don't like being alone. I don't like with, with there not being any, I don't like feeling like I'm the only person in the room. I remember t- talking to Emma about this. I'd say, hey, Emma, like, like often you'll just have the TV. What is that about? And she'd say, you know what? I don't like the feeling of being alone. When I turn on the TV, it feels like somebody else is with me. And, 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 and that's why I do it. You know, for some of us, it might not be the TV. For some of us, that might be the case. But for some of us, it might be um, podcasts. Like we can't go anywhere without listening to a podcast. We can't even grocery shop these days without listening to a podcast. For some of us, it is that running or going to the gym. We always have to do something else while we're doing it. And if we don't, the world feels kind of lonely. You know, this idea of silence and solitude is not one that is new to Christianity, but when it is paired with what we see Jesus doing throughout Scripture, um, we see that there is a very spiritual reason why we should observe and practice and have a regular discipline of silence and solitude. And one of the biggest reasons is because the noise and the constant noise and the plethora of noise and the noise that we can't seem to escape is not good for us. It's not like this. uh, Sometimes... We ask people, how are you doing? How have things been? We get this, this, this answer, busy. And that seems to be a badge of honor in our society right now, but so does the amount of content we can consume. You know, one of the things I get frustrated at, quite honestly, uh, oftentimes, is when somebody uh, posts their book list at the end of the year, because what it does is it creates this, this, um, this desire in all these other people, like, oh, I got to read more, I got to do more, I got to whatever else more. And by the way, there's a lot of good friends that I've had that posted their book list um, at the end of this last year. And honestly, I, this isn't a rule. Don't post your book list. My intention is to read a lot of books this year and post that next year for other reasons. Okay, so I'm not, this isn't a uniform statement, but the reason why sometimes I fear what that's doing is is because we sometimes feel like we always got to be consuming some form of content. So many times I'll be in a conversation, I'll just try to be adding. And if I didn't keep up with the latest podcast in this area or this area, this area, I feel like I have nothing to share because these people are just constantly consuming content. What we see is there's almost a hierarchy of who can consume the most content from those reliable sources. And that, uh, again, is a bit of a badge of an honor for those people. And yet, what we see within Scripture is that God himself observed silence and solitude, not as a peripheral idea to his own ministry, but as a core tenant of the way that he walked on this earth. Jesus, God with skin on, regularly, regularly observed silence and solitude. We think of before Jesus even started his ministry. For 40 days and 40 nights, he went out into the desert, in Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 11, where there was silence and there was solitude. We see in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, that before Jesus chooses his disciples, he goes away to a lonely place and he prays. He goes away to a lonely place and he spends time in silence and solitude before making one of the biggest leadership decisions, the best leadership draft that the world has ever seen. On hearing of his cousin's death, which was due to a beheading 
by, the, by King Herod. When Jesus hears of John the Baptist's death, it says in Matthew chapter 14, 13, that Jesus withdrew to a lonely place. He got on a boat and he withdrew to a lonely place to spend time with Father in silence and in solitude. After feeding the, the 5,000 in Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, only a few verses after learning of, the, the, uh, of his, of his um, cousin's death, Jesus withdraw, with, uh, withdraws after the feeding of the 5,000 to the mountaintop to pray. Now, I could give you example after example after example. There are many more examples of Jesus doing this very thing, withdrawing in order to pray. But the question becomes, like, why is it that we can't take time to be in a place of silence and solitude, which often means even without prayer? Just a stillness, as Psalm 46.10 says, to be still and to know that God is who he says he God is an ever-present reality. Just being still in his presence is enough. Why can't we do that? I remember reading a book. And in this book, uh, the pastor that, uh, that had written this book said that uh, his therapist at one point had encouraged him to spend five minutes alone in total silence. And he said, you're addicted to productive productivity. You're addicted to noise. You're afraid of being alone. You need to spend five minutes alone. Well, in this book, the pastor outlines the struggle in which he had. He said, for the first 30 seconds, he was like, I can do this. This is the easiest assignment I've ever been given. It's only five minutes. I've done so many more things in my life, more than five minutes. He said by the end of minute two, maybe minute two and a half, he said it was, it was so painful to be able to sit in silence because his brain was trying to go all these different directions and he couldn't just sit in that silence for the amount of time that he was prescribed. Now for some of us, we go, that's not a problem. Like silence and solitude, that's an easy thing for me to face. And yet I would question, is it? Because often it's in that silence, silent place, it's in that place of solitude the reason that we sometimes avoid it and we sometimes distance ourselves from it is often because it's a lonely place. It's a place without noise. It's a place without constant, um, uh, constant pressure and, and noise and the feeling like somebody's around. It's a, silence and solitude is a very, very lonely place. On writing on the difficulties of uh, finding ourselves in a silent place, what we see is Richard Foster, an author, um, that talks a lot about spiritual disciplines. He says, one reason we can hardly bear to remain silent is that it makes us feel so helpless. We are so accustomed to relying upon, the, uh, upon words to manage and control others. So it's not just about what we're consuming, but also about the way in which we're, we're, we're controlling those around us. If we are silent, who will take control? God will take control. But we will never let him take control until we trust him. Be still and know that I am God. Silence is intimately related to trust. Listen to what he has to say. And I, I find this fascinating because it's not about what we're just receiving. It's also about what we are giving in moments of noise. The tongue is our most uh, powerful weapon of manipulation. A frantic stream of words flows from us because we are in a constant process of adjusting our public image. That hits home. We fear so deeply what we think other people see in us that we talk in order to straighten out their understanding. If I have done something, some wrong thing or even some right thing that I think you may misunderstand and discover that you know about it, I will be very tempted to help you understand my action. Silence is one of the deepest disciplines of the Spirit simply because it puts the stopper on all self-justification. 
What a fascinating thought. What a fascinating thought. Not only is it because we want to control situations, but we also we, we feel like without the control of others or the words speaking into us that we will have no direction. Dallas Willard, also speaking about the idea of silence, says it's so hard because it reminds us of death. He goes on to say, which will cut us off from this world and leave, us, leave only us and God. And in that quiet, what if there turns out to be very little to just us and God? Think what it says about the inward emptiness of our lives. If we must always turn on a tape player or a radio to make sure something is happening around us. And I think it's in this place of trying to practice silence and solitude that for many of us, we fear that if we just get away with just us and God, in silence and in solitude, then there might not be a whole lot there. There might be a whole lot of emptiness because there's not much between us and God. The good news today is that there's actually a lot from God to us. And there will always be more. The, 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 the balance will always be tipped in the direction that God is far more involved in our lives than we want to be in the life he desires for us. So silence and solitude, what is the difference? And I want to speak to this just uh, briefly. Because the important thing to realize is that uh, solitude is only, um, is only uh, uh, possible by the discipline of silence. So solitude is this idea of actually being, and one author who's not a Christian author speaks about solitude from the perspective of be, uh, uh, finding yourself in a place of solitude is removing every other human's influence over your, yourself, which is to say, not having music in those moments, not having a podcast, not having another voice, not sitting down to read in silence. Solitude is just sitting in the silence and, 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 and allowing God to speak to our innermost being and allowing those, those sometimes freaky thoughts that might bubble to the surface to happen so that God can actually deal with some of our, our deepest fears and our deepest longings. That is the purpose of solitude, but solitude is not, is not possible unless we find places of silence, okay? So silence, as one author described it, is like the anesthetic that as it begins to wash over us, it makes solitude possible. The anesthetic is something that begins to numb our, 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 our uh, desire to control or to be, be controlled, to, be, um, to have voices flood in, to have the, the influence of others around us. Silence is the anesthetic that washes over us, that allows us to sit in solitude and allow the God of this universe to speak to us. That is what solitude is. Solitude is the ability to just be still and know that God is who he says he is. As Psalm chapter 46 verse 10, says, or, uh, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Part of um, uh, reaching solitude, Henry Nouwen observes that silence is the, is the way to make solitude a reality. Now, it's important to know that in our fear of of, of being silent and being lonely and, and, and feeling these, this emptiness that so many of us feel when we are totally alone with nothing to distract ourselves. There's an important difference to know about loneliness and solitude. Loneliness is an inner emptiness while solitude is inner fulfillment. You know, it's, it's this way to allow God to fill the parts of us, to fill those deepest longings that we actually long for, that we don't pay attention to, but uh, uh, come to the surface at a midlife, midlife crisis or when something bad's happening and we have a tendency to, you know, to, to fight 
to have flight or freeze, like in those moments where those deepest longings come up or those deepest uh, fears, those, those dark um, moments that we'd rather not deal with. In, in the moment of allowing those things to bubble to the surface, what we don't experience when we're uh, practicing silence and solitude in God's presence is we don't experience emptiness. We actually experience God's fullness. And that's ultimately what all of us desire. As we go throughout this world and we try to challenge and, and, and see the world become more like the kingdom of Jesus, which is really at the, the root and the heart of wanting to make disciples, is to pray this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As that begins to make its way forward, the only way to do it well is to know that God is who he says he is. God is the one that wants to fill us not the emptiness of more noise or another conversation or fulfilling that moment of FOMO that we can't quite let go of or just another podcast that will just get us a little bit more ready for that area of life we want to develop in or just making that phone call on the way home simply because we can't just be alone in God's presence. It's in the moment of silence when we let that wash over us in the moment of solitude where we allow only our thoughts to be bare before God, that we actually find the, full, the fullness and the fulfillment that we want to see from God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a man who stood up in the face of Hitler and Nazi Germany, had this to write. You know, he was a pacifist that, there's a long story there, a pacifist that wanted to, um, to take out Hitler. And there's so much there, but he was such a brilliant thinker and, and a man who cared deeply about discipleship. And he said, let him who cannot be alone be aware of community. If you cannot be alone, maybe what you need in next, this next season is not more community. Maybe it's silence and solitude. Let him who is not in community be aware and beware of being alone. So if, if, if you don't think you need community in this, in this room, maybe in future um, topics and and, uh, and, and spiritual disciplines we're going to talk about, maybe you need to actually practice the art of gathering and getting in a local and being active in those moments and serving alongside others, both in our church and outside of our church. Maybe those are the messages you need to hear. But if you have a problem with, with, with only being in community, only being filled with noise, beware of community. And he goes on to say, each by itself has profound pitfalls and perils. We need both community and we need silence and solitude. One who wants to fellowship without solitude plunges into the void of words and feelings and one who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes in the abyss of vanity, self-infatuation, and despair. Which is to say that if we can only be around others because we don't deal with those deepest longings and those deepest fears and those darkest fears, all of a sudden we are at the whim of our emotions and the way that we feel in given situations because we haven't allowed God to deal with them in the place of silence and solitude. But for those of us that only spend time alone, what we are at risk of doing is being vain and conceited because we can judge the world from a place of not recognizing where our brokenness meets the world's brokenness. We need to both be in community and silence and solitude. But for today's um, discussion, we are talking about being in silence and solitude. With everything going on in the world, there's a, there's a temptation to control each of the environments that we can control. And that's a wise thing to do. We can't control everything, but you need to control your actions, right? But sometimes we go beyond that, trying to control the things that we can't control. 
And in that, we rage against the world. And I love that in Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. But before that, it's addressing the state of the world. And in verse 8, it says, Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. For all of the stuff we want to control in the world, what we can take hope in is that when we are still with God, he is working on our behalf. Be still and know that I am God. There's a temptation in every one of us to run to the mountains when things get too unbearable. You know, it's not that we have a, we do, we have a high threshold for noise and content and consuming in the culture that we live in. In fact, in the, the West where most of us live watching this right now, and even globally, the, one of the biggest threats to our spiritual formation is a consumer uh, mentality that all of us have, that everything exists to serve us and that we can uh, uh, pick and choose all the things that will satisfy, satisfy us deeply. What we see is that this is a failed experiment where people are breaking and they're cracking. We have a mental health crisis. And in the midst of all that, for those of us that are, call ourselves uh, people of God, it can be so easy to look at a world full of war and maybe not just like physical war that we can see all the time, but even just the warring of arguments passing by one another in social media and offices and in conversations and all the rest. And the temptation is to just pull back from it all and to run in the opposite direction. I remember sitting down with, uh, with a pastor friend of mine and I said, I just want to take my family and move to a cabin in the woods. I just want to take my family and take off from here. I just want to, I just want to leave and I want to go to a cabin in the woods and forget all of this exists and just raise my kids to serve and love and honor God and know the value of family and teach them right values and not have to worry about all the noise and the difficulties that they're going to have to. I just want to want, run away to a cabin in the woods. Silence and solitude provides something better than a cabin somewhere else off in the woods that is separate from uh, reality and filled with ideology. What it does is it provides not a cabin in the woods, but it pro provides for us a cabin in our hearts. And I remember this friend saying to me, he said, you don't need a cabin in the woods. You need a, a place to go in your, own, in your own being that is able to be still before God and know that amidst everything you're facing, God is with you. And my encouragement to all of us listening to this today, all of those that call Slate Church home, those that are pressing into what God is doing through our church right now in the province of Ontario, wanting to see God move is allow Him to move in the stillness of your own life. Before we try to preach Christ to others, we need to know that God is God for us. The Holy Spirit is active. He's there to comfort. He's there to speak to us. He's there to provide a way in the midst of the chaos and the fray and the wars and all the things the Bible desperately speaks, uh, speaks to. So in the midst of that, that it could actually be some of the most fulfilling moments of your life. That if you don't just run to the cabin in the woods, so to speak, and whatever that looks like in your life. Some of us, it's substances. For some of us, it's conversations. For some of us, it's the noise of a podcast, music, a place we like to desert and go to. And yet I want to Consider today that maybe it's not time to run to a cabin in the woods, but maybe it's time to find a cabin in our own hearts, a place where God can meet us in a deep and very real way. Most of us don't need more content. We need to be more consumed by the nature of who God is. I want to share this quote with you. Whether alone or among people, we always carry with us a portable sanctuary 
of the heart. And the way that we can do this is through silence and solitude. Now, because silence is such an um, important piece to reach a place of solitude where God can meet us in our deep, deepest longings and our darkest fears, because that is something that we deal with, I just have some suggestions on how to, how to find that silence. For some of us, you can find silence in the midst of a crowd because maybe you live in a very populated metropolis uh, uh, area. And for you, it might actually just be walking, not talking to anybody, not allowing those influences to hit you, but just actually getting away. But um, some great examples of, of places that we can find silence and solitude. Why don't, why don't you find it in the micro moments? You know, putting a, a book next to the toilet so that you're always consuming content is a very silly idea when you could replace that with just a moment of stillness before God as you relieve yourself, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, what about a, a drive to and from the office that is only five minutes and often you feel like, you know what, if I just listen to my podcast long enough, I'll actually, I'll be able to do these many podcasts over the course of this year. And, what, and we get so wrapped up in filling and content and everything. What if you took those five minutes to not have the radio on? which most of us do not have the radio on. I realize this book is, is a little aged. But for some of us, it's music. It's Spotify. It's Apple Music. It's whatever else it is. What if we took those five minutes to just be still and allow God to do those deep heart work in us? What if for some of us, it was just before we went to bed where we said, you know what, before I go to sleep, before I have another moment of connection with my spouse, if that's your situation, or before I, I'm tempted to look at my phone before bed, I'm just going to go experience the silence of the night where nothing is moving. I'm going to stand outside in awe and wonder in silence and solitude of who God is, reminding my soul that God is in control. Those are micro moments that we can, we can literally fight for these micro moments all throughout our days. It's like little mini refueling moments. It's like plugging in, in your charger at different moments of the day to keep your phone alive. It's like these moments allowing your soul to thrive and not just be inundated by what somebody else feels is important for your life, but actually allowing the peace of Christ to become what's important in your life. Micro moments of silence and solitude may just save your spiritual life throughout the next little while as, as things don't seem to be getting so much better, but sometimes just seeming constant or confusing in the world that we live in. Another way that we can find silence and solitude is through the quiet place. Deem an area of your house, maybe even a closet, as the silent place where you go there and there are no noises, no distractions, just you and the presence of God. Not you to bring your request, not even you to bring your praise to God, just you to be in the presence of the Almighty God. Silent and solitude. Maybe it's a closet. Maybe it's a room. I read in one, one author suggested that we even consider building a separate room in our house that is the quiet place to meet with God. I said, well, we, we value extra bathrooms and we value playrooms for our kids. And we, some of us are, 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 are privileged enough to have a TV room. I said, why not work into the plans of our house a quiet room where anybody in our family or our roommates or whatever else can go there to be still and place ourselves in solitude before God. Finding a quiet place is a great way to see silence in our life. Another way is to retreat. And for myself, I try to do this a number of times throughout the year. You know, I know that that's not um, uh, possible for everyone, but what if on the calendar, just yourself, you put a full day or maybe a few days on your calendar, if you're able to do so, where you go and you do what is called a silent retreat, where you just allow yourself to be still before God. There's no agenda. There's no books you need to read. There's not even, uh, you don't even fill that moment with scriptural reading, which again is another spiritual discipline. I think that's important, but this spiritual discipline is just about being in the presence of God. And for some of us, maybe it means just, taking a day a year. 
And this doesn't, it's not meant to be, this isn't meant to be another form of legalism, by the way. It's not meant to just be like another bunch of check boxes. This is meant to support our abiding and remaining in Christ. But for some of us, maybe once a year we need to choose, it's just a no words day. Where we don't speak a single word and we see what that does for us. We see what it says to us about our deepest longings. We see what it says to us about our deepest fears. And we allow God to rearrange those things in our hearts. Silence and solitude is the number one reason that I am coming out on the other side of the pandemic more full of faith, more trust in who God is, more belief that he is in charge, and more content in the place I find myself in life. Without silence and solitude, I would not be pastoring you today. This spiritual discipline for me in the midst of the noise that was uh, 2020 and 2021 and the beginning of 22, the place I have found the most refuge is in a place where I turn off all technology, I remove all written words, I remove all the things that I think that, that could sustain me or give me an edge in the society that I live in and just allows me to find myself in the presence of God. That has, that has been this, the, the, the most important um, uh, spiritual practice that I have had in, in the past uh, two years that has sustained me to be able to stand here today and say, you know what, if there's one thing that you ought to be adding to your life tomorrow, today, thinking about it deeply right now, is the spiritual discipline that we see uh, modeled by Jesus all throughout the Gospels that is silence and solitude. I can tell you today that I'm a better father. I'm a better pastor for you. I'm a better friend. I'm a, I'm a better um, conversational partner. I'm a better person in general because of silence and solitude. Get away. Tune it all out. Be with God and know that he is who he says he is. Today, you might be watching and you might be thinking, you know what, I, this is really hard for me to comprehend because I'm not a person of faith. I haven't made a decision to follow Jesus. My, what I would say to you is that, yes, I mean, you could even listen to this message and you might actually get a lot of benefit from just practicing silence and solitude without the presence of God. One of the interesting things about God is certain things that he's put in place. There's what we call common grace, which means you can experience part of the benefit that this provides. But it won't fulfill your deepest longings. Because the only thing that can fulfill your deepest longings is a concerted decision that we will follow Jesus. We will respond to what he's done for us and find ourselves in relationship with God. It will benefit you to a point, but Jesus is the only thing that uh, silent, makes silence and solitude ultimately worth it. Jesus paid a price on a cross for our sin that we could not pay for ourselves. Why did he have to pay that price? Because in the beginning, what scripture lines out for us, and not just a suggestion about reality, it is documenting the history of our world, in, uh, so to speak. I'm not talking about all the science behind the start of our world. I'm talking about the history of mankind where we chose to turn our backs on God and Jesus had to come to bring us back in relationship with God. Pay a sinner's death that we cannot pay because no matter how well we try to live this life, we are constantly finding ourselves in the midst of sin. Jesus dies and says, whoever believes in me and confesses with their mouth, believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. Which is to say that we get to spend eternity with God after this life and we pass into the next, we get to spend eternity with him. It also means that we get to walk on this side of eternity with Jesus, fulfilled, allowing him to work in these deepest longings and these darkest fears and silence and solitude and all the other things. But we get to do that with Christ. If you're watching today, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, my encouragement right now is to make that decision in your heart. If you're watching live online, 
If you're in person, uh, with uh, in our Co Coburg local, if you're in Elmira, you can raise your hand. But if you're watching online live, you can actually click that button that says raise my hand. It's just an outward expression of an inward decision that you're making right now. And again, I'm not trying to point anybody out, but I would like to pray for you. Jesus, for those that are making this decision today to, um, to follow you, to make a decision, to turn away from their old ways and to, to allow you to move in them. We know that we can do nothing to be accepted by you other than to receive the gift that you paid for us, which, it, which was the price you paid for sin in our lives. From that point forward, we can walk with you as you do the inner work that we so desperately need. Jesus, I pray for those making this decision that they would experience the fullness of your spirit as they walk in this earth. God, it is, it is not easy to be a follower of Jesus. It requires us to analyze our place in the world and even where we are separate from the, way the ways of the world thinks. But God, as we count that cost today, we say, God, may you lead us into holiness, into perseverance, into fulfillment, into peace, and all those good gifts that you have for us. Jesus, we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. In a moment, someone might come up and say this exact thing, but I encourage you, if you made that decision, to go to slatechurch.com, fill out an online connect card, and somebody uh, that's a part of the Slate Church community will reach out, not not um, trying to, trying to uh, not, not like a, a, you know, a tax collector, we're not going to keep pounding on the door, so to speak, but just ask the question, is there anything we can do to, to help you on this walk, walk of faith? Is there any way, way that we could help you become a part of the Slate Church community? So go to slatechurch.com and fill out a connect card. For those of us that are watching right now and something has struck a chord and you're just going, maybe it is the silence, maybe it was something else. Honestly, I don't want to make this too specific because you know what God's doing in your life. You're saying, Pastor Brandon, could you speak to me or could you pray for me? Uh, if that's you, could you just raise a hand wherever you find yourself? I want to pray. Jesus, we want to thank you for the way that you modeled silence and solitude for us. God, this is such a stretch for so many of us. We might be like this pastor that wrote another book it says we can't last two minutes with our own thoughts before you. And God, what I would pray is that you would give us the sustenance and the strength and the sustainability to be able to put this into practice in our lives, not so that we can become more legalistic, checking off all the spiritual boxes, but so that, God, we may actually um, live out this life and live our life here on earth um, uh, uh, remaining in you, abiding in you, not being swayed to the right or the left, but being solid in our knowledge of who you are. So God, help us in our in our and our ability to just stay silent and, and still before you. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, so glad that you join us. Make sure you stay actively involved in your local, which is small groups. Uh, small groups. You can find out more information about that online if you haven't already heard about it. And my encouragement to you, whether you're tuning in from Elmira, Coburg, online, is to make sure that you, you realize that, that, that it's your spirit, it's your responsibility before God to remain in Christ and allow him to do his deepest work in you this year. I'm praying for you. Em and I are praying for you. We love you guys. And uh, I trust that this week is going to be a great week as you start to put into practice this habit and this spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. Love you, church. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.